listening to the Gator Sports Podcast, brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. This is a USA Today Network production, and your host, Graham Hall and David Whitley. You are listening to a semi-emergency edition of the Gator Sports Podcast, presented by the Gainesville Sun and Gannett Media. I'm your host, Graham Hall, joined to my left by my co-host, David Whitley. We are in studio a little bit earlier than we expected to be back here. I gotta be honest. Well, we have a good reason to be. I, I guess it's a pretty good reason. It's not as exciting of a reason as we kind of hoped about. When I talked to you last night about us maybe doing a podcast, it was about 15 minutes from the recommencement, I guess you could say, the return mm-hmm. of Florida the, baseball's the long final The long-awaited return of yeah. Florida baseball. I, I, I got to give it to the people who stuck it out there for five hours and 33 minutes and then returned to those rainy seats to sit their butts down and watch what they thought was going to be Florida defeat Oklahoma in advance to Super Regionals. Yes, and put a nice spin on the final home game of, of what was an up-and-down year and definitely sent them off on a right note to Blacksburg. But uh, there are no bags being packed this morning. No, they are not. They're staying in Gainesville. When they return to the facility, it will be for exit interviews to talk about the end of the season. Kevin O'Sullivan talked a little bit about it last night. It was a little bit weird. I I know you were in there, but it kind of is like you're watching someone in shock, Mm -hmm. in a sense, like someone who just watched a mangled car crash, in a sense. Yeah, well, it is, and he talked about this, it's such a sudden jolt, because for the last six months, he's thinking, who do do I pitch tomorrow? He's making a lineup, you know, he's thinking, what's going on, what's going on? And you're just always planning ahead, and, and then suddenly, you know, within the space of really 30 minutes, it's over. And you're like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, and you know, he knows, all right, my life is going to be totally different now for the next few months. Uh, and because I think he was like a lot of people, you know, just expecting them to go ahead. They were up. But with this team, you, you never say never either for good or for bad is one, one thing we learned. Yeah. And, you know, I, w- I wouldn't have been surprised if they'd have walked away uh, with the regional win. And I wasn't the least bit surprised they did. Yeah. I, I think that just the amount of parity in there, how hot Oklahoma was, and then again, factor in Florida's difficulties throughout the season. I mean, this is a team that lost their ace right there in that beginning stretch in April and everything. I mean, Hunter Barker was so good against LSU. I mean, he really was peaking in a sense there late March and you had to think that they were going to get some arms back. Nick Pogue was coming along, Tyler Nesbitt. They didn't know what they had yet in Jack Caglione. Uh, Colby Halter wasn't yet playing fantastic defense at third base. Sterling Thompson was fantastic. Wyatt Langford was fantastic. I mean, oh my God, what he did tying Matt Laporta's record in the ninth there. And also how he did it. (laughs) The the best story of the whole day was him sliding into second, getting his teeth knocked, semi knocked out. Nobody knowing about it. (laughs) Then in the rain delay, him going up to the dentist and getting his teeth fixed and coming back and hitting the dinger. I'm sitting there in the box and he's like playing around in his mouth, you know, and sometimes you see a guy doing that in baseball, you're like, oh, he, just has, a, he has a lip in. But it's college baseball, so you're not thinking that exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, what's what's going on? What's he fixing in his mouth? And then the trainer comes out and looks at him, and you don't see any blood. But then he stays on second, and it's the first inning. Well, O'Sullivan says last night that, yeah, he had two teeth dislodged, and the, 
the the trainer says, we got to run him to the dentist real quick here. And, and Kevin said that he was shocked. I mean, Wyatt was sitting next to him the entire game, and, and you couldn't have told that this guy had a pair of teeth knocked out, let alone that a couple hours later he was going to tie an uh, incredible record, 26 home runs at the University of Florida. Matt Laporta was actually there over the weekend. He didn't see Wyatt break, tie the record, but um, he, he, you know, he lives in Gainesville. He was there with his family. He got to see the potential for Langford, certainly. It was yeah. a little bit of a rough regional with some strikeouts for him, but uh, he ended up going yeah. yard a couple times. Right, and when you, when you looked at where he was last year to this year, you know, he is one of those stories, as you uh, sort of do the autopsy in this whole season, I mean, there, there are certainly, you can take the, the, the glass half empty, half full approach, but man, there, there's a lot of half full things you look at with, between him and that young pitching staff where, you know, they, what, they, it would seem like there's nothing but freshmen out there during the whole region. Yeah. They, and if you'd have said, you know, four months ago that this is going to be your pitching staff to get you to the Super Regional and maybe to the College World Series, you said, no way. <laughs> you know, there were just so many setbacks that this team had. But, you know, and you, you saw the resiliency uh, that second half of the season so much, especially, you know, I mean, we, we, everybody gave them up for dead in the SEC. Yeah. I mean, they, they, got, they got 10 runs in the first game. And then, you know, they play uh, six games in five days. And to just to you know get to the region, and then they lose that, and then you know Sunday they they escape Central Michigan six to five on on uh, on in, on the morning, and then that night you know the as they said one of the greatest pitching performances in in Florida history. Who yeah. expected that? I, I'm glad you brought that up. We are yeah. about to talk about Carson Finvold. You you talk about storylines for this season and guys to build off of next year. I mean, this is a guy who earlier in the season was not even getting picked to travel with the team. And when you go from being this fantastic high school pitcher who had it all, thought you had the best stuff out there, could get anybody out, to being left at home watching your teammates go on the road, he said it. That was one of the most difficult things that Carson had ever experienced. And the Tennessee game, a lot of people were already praising him for – I mean, facing that team, going four-plus innings against them, mm-hmm. keeping them scoreless for so long. People were praising him for that performance. But he looked incredible against the Sooners there to get Florida to that Monday game. I, I mean, and this isn't a guy who's pitching 97-99, getting guys mm-hmm. out with, with high fastballs over the plate. I mean, he is confusing Pit, pit, you know, guys at the plate with this eighty-four yeah. mile per hour stuff. It's incredible. He's delivering junk and it's working. And <laughs> and and plus the the circumstance he was put in, you cannot you cannot imagine a, a more frightening circumstance. It's, you know, it's the first inning, and your starter for you know he couldn't he couldn't come close to the plate. Hit, hits the guy. You know, the, the bases are loaded, nobody out. You're thinking, oh man, you know, if they just get out of this with two runs, you know. You know, praise be. And, you know, he gets out of it, what, hit into double play, boom. And, yeah. And he, and suddenly, all right. So he said, all right, well, he's done his job at that point. It, and then, it, yeah. and then, you know, two hours later, he saw they're doing his job. Who could think that he was going to go more than four innings? And that's what, that's what makes I think the postseason so good, and not just the NCAA tournament, but of course the SEC tournament as well. When you have some teams like Florida that really can change the trajectory of their postseason in a sense with performances like that I mean getting Florida through that Texas A&M game in the SEC tournament 
into the Tennessee game and and hang it with the Vols. I mean, they really were in the ninth there, one hit away from from going to extra innings against a team that had what seven losses, and they do it with all these under you know <laughs> these underutilized let's call it that yeah. arms throughout the year, and uh, I, to again then be one hit short against Oklahoma. I mean, that also is kind of one of the storylines. I don't think a, I don't think we've ever seen as many solo home runs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Wyatt Langford, what he did batting leadoff. You look at where Sterling Thompson was in the order. And then you look at Judd Fabian and how they consistently moved him around. He would bat fourth, fifth, sixth. I think he, he batted in all those spots over the weekend. And... When you're shuffling the order like that, you're you're hoping that it's going to result in, you know, two RBI, multiple yeah. home runs, you know, like... Yeah, we really yeah, saw it last night. It was incredible. After the rain delay came back, you come back and everybody's, you know, awake again. And they get, you know, they have men on second and third. Actually, the bases, and, and yeah, they get the sacrifice fly. So, so they get the one run to, and you think, okay, they're looking good. Then they have men on second and third. So, you know, hit there, that 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 would have done it. You know, it, but it just didn't happen. And that was just enough, you know, gave Tennessee enough life. And, and you know, you can second guess, you know, um, his pitching selection, you know, should, should, should he bought, bought uh, uh, Neely in or, or the whole deal? You know, he was ready to go. Or was it Spro? I get my Brandon mixed No, up. you're totally right. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. bringing in Brandon Neely, even yeah. for what he did to throw 97 pitches. Yeah. I know it was on, what, three, three plus days rest. Yeah. And he had such a short outing in that that first game that he you know but there were questions of whether they were going to bring in Brandon Sprout there for those final couple innings but and that's unfortunately something that Kevin O'Sullivan's going to question for so long yeah how could you question the decision to go with Ryan Slater who was your best closer all year long but it wasn't like he was this Michael Byrne type guy who was guaranteed often to get you out of of that and and Florida had been so bad in games where they trailed at making up the deficit in those later innings throughout mm-hmm. the season that really it was all about preserving that lead, which is why people were asking the question, is Sprout going to come in? And, yeah. you know, who is going to service you on the mound in a sense? It was very interesting to see Oklahoma go with their closer to yeah. start the game in Trevin Michael. I mean, that is a guy who, and maybe they should have started Ryan Slater and then and then gone to Brandon Neely to finish the game. Who knows? That's something that Kevin O'Sullivan's going to stay awake yeah, with it, it looked, for a couple months right. now. If they'd have gotten the hit, you know, in, in, the, in the eighth inning, he'd have looked brilliant. You know, had, exactly. But, but that, that, you know, we, we're sitting here, we can, you can dissect and, and second guess all this. That's just the nature of what happens after, after you lose. But you know, I think if you step back uh, and, and just look at the season as a whole and how, how it ended and all that, I think he, uh, O'Sullivan hit on a good point, you know, he, and, about talking about how he felt the change in the culture of the team this year. And you know, and I think sort of between reading the lines, he said, if you change the culture for the better, that means it needed a change for the better. Yeah. And and you know, we sort of asked, well, what specifically? And he said, you know, this team, it, it just was not a me-first team. And, you know, he, he mentioned some of those guys. He mentioned, spe- you, know, uh, you know, any guy who, who goes in after getting his two teeth knocked out and doesn't even mention it, you know, that that's a culture that I think, if you look back on the season, that they can really build on. Because I mean, you look at it's so many guys who who could have been out there but weren't, and and should be out there next year. And if you figure if they if they have this 
you know, the bad luck out of the way, the the, the injury, you know, I'm, you think surely you can't lose your your three, op- you, you go next year and have your three opening weekend starters just vanish by midseason. You know, yeah. That's, that's just, uh, you know, that, that there's bad luck and then there's really bad luck and they had a lot of that this year. They certainly did. I mean, the injuries, we've talked about that um, absolutely. But before we take this only break that we're going to take today, we're going to talk softball here in the second segment. I got to talk about where Kevin O'Sullivan goes from here. You mentioned Wyatt Langford. He's coming back next year. But how the Gators build the roster moving forward is an interesting question to me because I think you look at how the game has changed and how O'Sullivan has kind of been a little bit slower to alter his recruiting philosophies in a sense, his roster building philosophies. I think you will start to see him embrace the transfer portal a lot more. You saw the transfer portal really kind of dictated by how fast a sport moves. Mm -hmm. And baseball is one of the slower moving sports. Football instantly embraced the transfer portal. Basketball got there. Baseball is, is catching up in my mind. And the addition of BT Ryapel was so critical for Florida this year. I mean, that was an, an, I mean, a guy who all sec argument in my mind, he being your only transfer, I think that Kevin O'Sullivan won't, I don't want to call it a mistake, but I don't think he'll do that again. Because no. I think you need to have some guys, 21, 22 years of age, when you maybe are getting to this point in the season and you have to do what we just talked about. Call on freshmen who have not stepped up in the moment. And sometimes they're going to be like Carson Finvold, but a lot of times they're not. Yeah. So but I think you want to see that. You change. want to have them as an option. You want to have them as an option. You want to have that option. You don't there. want to be leaving or bringing someone who you know you're not going to throw. I mean, no disrespect to guys like Garrett Milchin or you know, Anthony or City, but I, I think that you would think that Florida would have liked to have a Trevin Michael. And I, I bring him up because he was not on Oklahoma's roster last year. He was at Lamar University. And now a year later, this guy is pitching the Sooners to the super regionals Mm -hmm. so you got to get over the theory that these mid-major guys can't do what freshmen can do oh it's been proven wrong yeah i I think not that o'sullivan thought that in the first place i'm not trying to accuse anyone of that but i just think that you're going to see florida being a power six school start to be more on the cutting edge of making sure that we use the transfer portal when available well you have to and and i said whether regardless of the sport that's what it's become and you have to do that. I mean, I you can call it. I mean, I, you can call it the Dabo Swinney effect. You know, Dabo's for the <laughs> last year. He's I, I don't believe in the transfer portal. Blah, 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 I don't believe nil. And yeah, in in principle, that's a good idea. But it's just not. It's just not practical in this day and age. And he's he's gotten religion. And you know, you're going to see more and more. And there's nothing wrong with it. But you know, for years, you always thought, oh, you got to bring in transfers. That shows weakness of the program. Yeah. But that that whole stigma is gone. I'm glad now. you said that. That that's. It's, Antiquated, it, yeah, and I mean, as you said, you saw it quickly with with football, and 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 boom! I mean, the quickest is basketball. When you look at in the last two years, just at Florida, how the roster has been completely overhauled through the transfer portal both times, and that's just the way it is now. And it's got to seep to, to baseball, and and there is no reason that Florida can't you know, is, is not as attractive as any as any other program to, to transfers to come in. And hey, I can go here and, and you know and get in my exposure and scouts will see me and, you know, they've got everything that I would want. And so I'm, I'm sure, you know, Sully's, Sully's not a fool. He's going, you know, he sees what's going on and I'm sure in, in his mind, he's like, oh, yeah, I, I just got to start, you know, do a better job at that. Yeah. It's not just 
the general public out yeah. there. I think coaches for so yeah. long, like you just said, believed that taking a transfer was acknowledging a failure, a past failure in terms of roster building on the recruiting trail or or seeing someone go was maybe an acknowledgement that you had made a mistake initially and you wanted to convince them to stay so that you could work with them. Coaches are quicker to to allow people to kind of leave in a sense, just as they are also yeah. more welcome to kind of say, all right, let's, let's get some fixes it's, in here. It's a turnstile. You have to, you know, unfortunately that, that does leave a lot of some uncomfortable uh, conversations. You say, look, kid, you know, you need to go somewhere else. Yeah. And, but that's the way, I mean, nobody has had, has, has had a bigger roster the last few years in, than Kirby Smart. They've had like 101 <laughs> sign, I think. And that's a lot. He's told, he's had to tell a lot of kids, you, you got to hit the road. Yeah. You know, it, and it's, it's a, it's a cold, hard business, but that's what it has become. And these kids, you know, that they, they're real into that too. You know, uh, you have to, have to just be ready to go in there and you better produce or somebody, you know, there, there's other people who want your job. Yeah. And, and, you know, your, his job depends on you doing your job. And if you're not doing your job, he's not going to lose his job because yeah, of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to take this only break today. And we come back, we're going to talk about Florida softball. I don't want to say what went wrong with Florida softball because what a run it was for a team that for a while it looked like they were going to see a, an early exit. We'll be right back after this break. I'm Blake Topmeyer, and this is SEC Football Unfiltered, a new podcast from the USA Today Network. Each week, we'll discuss the hottest topics that matter to the passionate fan bases of the SEC. I've covered the SEC for eight years. As for my co-host, longtime sports columnist John Adams, let's just say he's got a few decades on me. Not as many decades as some people think. Contrary to popular opinion, I did not cover General Neyland, but I did interview Bear Bryant, and I interviewed Nick Saban, and I covered Archie Manning and Peyton Manning. More insightful interview, John. Bear Bryant, Archie Manning, Steve Spurrier, or Johnny Majors? Gotta go with Steve Spurrier there. He's the great quipster. SEC Football Unfiltered debuts this summer. Let John and I be your tour guides from the season opener through the national championship. Subscribe and listen wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back with this episode of the Gator Sports Podcast. I am your host, Graham Hall, joined to my left by my co-host, David Whitley. On the left. And this edition of, it's a balls and bats episode. I guess you could call it that. Well, it's that time of year. It is that time of year. It is early June here. Florida baseball had a chance to go to Super Regionals. We were there last night. Unfortunately, it was a rainy Five hours and 33 Ugh. minutes, but we're not here to complain about we're that. We're not here to complain about as, that. As you said earlier, I, I am just admiring the fans who stuck it out because if there were a 1,000 people there, it sounded like 5,000 at the end. It did. It did. And, you know, they were all huddled under that overhang, so you really couldn't see them on the TV cameras as much, but they were they were packing the place, absolutely, behind home plate. Florida softball has been on the road for... It seems like longer than Led Zeppelin. Longer than Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Oh, that's that's good. I got to use that. It, it's been at least two and a half weeks. I will say. Um, going back to that NCAA regional, their last home game was May twenty second against Wisconsin. That was an eleven zero victory, and that sent Florida softball to Super Regionals against the number three team, Virginia Tech. And uh, you want to talk about rain? Mm-hmm. That first game, Florida is losing 6-0, and then the rain comes in, and it doesn't stop, and it doesn't stop. And they say, we're going to resume this game tomorrow. And they return, 
and and Florida loses. Of course. Got drilled. Got drilled. But then later, that very same day, they bounce back and beat Virginia Tech 7-2 to to set up that rubber match. Winner goes to the Women's College World Series. And Florida was the team absolutely embarrassing the Hokies in front of their home crowd, 12-0, to back on May 29th, to set up a trip to WCWS as the only SEC team headed out there. David, and we looked often at the schedule this year, Kentucky, I mean, <laughs> Alabama, Tennessee, Arkansas, Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, for them not to make it was yeah. incredible. Florida, what is that? Their death was a little bit premature. Yeah, and you know, just the fact that six weeks ago, we, you know, if we'd have been having this conversation, you'd think, nah, no way. You know, I mean, that, that they make the College World Series. They're you know, sort of reflective of the baseball team midseason. You're just thinking, you know, just just don't totally collapse. <laughs> and and lo and behold, you know, the last six weeks or you know, a month or so, it, they just turned it around. And it it, it you know, whatever. The Gator standard is, you know, with, with that, we can say that the softball team, if it's getting to the College World Series, you know, that that was quite an accomplishment. Uh, and because they they were just like the baseball team was, you know, so you weren't really sure what to expect. At one point, they, I think they were 11 and 11 or so 11 in the SEC. And, you know, I mean, SEC, you know, it's, it's a meat grinder. And the fact that they were the only team left standing at the end was impressive. And, you know, you don't want to go out to, to college World and say anything is gravy after that because you, you want to win it. But, I mean, truly, it, it sort of was gravy. And then they, they won a game there. And it's a, it's the kind of thing you can build on for the future. I mean, there, there's, there's you know, bad good years and good bad years. This is this is sort of a good year. Uh, oh, I mean, bad year with a really good end. When, I don't want to overstate things. It wasn't a bad year. I mean, but for everybody who thinks that... Scott had year, expectations. Yeah, though. yeah, because, well, you know, they, they've, if it's not a national championship, it's a disappointment. You know, you got to have a little bit more realism in there and that. Uh, and when you look at, at how they did it and you know, some some of the players... We mentioned the transfer portal and how it it can be used to your advantage. You know, two words, Skylar Wallace. Yeah, right. I mean, for so long, there was this belief that... I don't know if it was like interconference camaraderie or like one of those unwritten yeah. rules, but you don't poach from another program and, or you pay the consequences. And, and Florida did so before really that one year free transfer kind of came in for all sports in the conference where Florida gets Skylar Wallace in November of 2020. She sits that the 2021 season and comes in and is just a, a yeah. stolen base legend. Let's call it that. Oh, she did. She, I mean, she was everything. You know, if they needed to, you know, put, put her at first, put her at second, da da da, moved moved her around. And you know, Tim Walton talked about how you know, because it's weird she didn't get you know the, the automatic transfer. You had to sit out last year, yeah. knowing it and how. And and I wouldn't, I didn't know this too, but on game day she couldn't participate. You know, with the team on any warm, so she would go early, and they would just you know go through a warm up with her, keep her sharp, da da da. And so, I mean, she devoted herself to it, and it was a grind, and it paid off this year. Yeah, it certainly did. And Florida goes out there uh, to the Women's College World Series, and it looks like they're in some trouble early. They're they're trailing one to zero, and then they pile it on with Natalie Lugo end up beating the Beavers seven to one, and it, it sets up that matchup with Oklahoma State, which was just such a hard-fought game, but but Florida just can't really have any success at the plate. They they lose 2-0, and uh, just to see that offensive collapse, mm-hmm. I think, late, to, to see your season end allowing 10 combined runs to Oklahoma State and UCLA, and you can't get any on the board when you have Kendra Falby and Skylar Wallace and mm-hmm. Charlotte Eccles, Cheyenne Lindsay. You have all these players who have proven it time and time again. 
Certainly had to be frustrating for Florida, but to be there with 49 wins when everyone said that they were fifth best team in the right. SEC, I, I mean... Yeah, this was the down year. Yeah, if this is the down year, I, I'm... Hey, watch out, SEC, because once Tim Walton makes... I'm not saying he has to make changes to his staff. I, I mean, you look at Amanda Lorenz. I, I mean, her addition, he, I think she's going to get paid to return. You look at that losing uh, LaRocha a few years ago, I think that you're going to see Walton finally address that a little bit more significantly. Mm-hmm. Let's say that. Yeah. Uh, because because you're looking at what Oklahoma is doing right now. Clearly, you got to right. pull out the brink truck. It, it is a bit foreboding when you look at, the, at who's in the College World Series, who's left, and it, it's the two teams that will be coming in in three years. So as, as tough as SEC is right now, yeah, you're – you're adding two Goliaths too, and yeah, you know, and 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 th- th- these aren't Johnny Come. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma. When people talked about you know with them coming into the league, when you first heard about it last August, you, you only think football, blah 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 blah. But <laughs> I think no, no no group of individuals got a got a, a, a colder chill down their spine than SEC softball coaches when they heard that those two were coming in. Absolutely. I mean, this is you know we said this with other sports certainly, and I don't think a lot of people really want to hear it too much because yeah gator standard whatnot but softball baseball basketball if you go 500 in the sec you are doing darn well in my mind yeah you know it's you say gator standard but i mean there there is a sooner standard they hold themselves (laughs) to there's a longhorn standard they hold themselves and and you can see it in football where they've had yeah, they've had uh, almost as many football coaches as Florida has the last decade, and they, they've spent more on them for sure. And you know, there's LSU standard. I mean, these. Bottom line is, there's the SEC standard, mm-hmm. and you take those f- top five or six teams; they're all Gator standard standards. So it's it's not going to get easier. It, it certainly is not. And with these Power Six, Power Five conferences being able to amend their roster year after year, and the amount of resources it you have when it comes to hiring coaches and the analytics rise i mean it's going to get more and more if you ask me just more parity at yeah. this level uh and it, it's fun i mean we've it, we've entered you know this last year really a new age of of college sports with nil and because it really started about a year i think the the, the supreme court issued its, its big 9-0 ruling about a year ago which opened the floodgates and, and sort of changed everything you know in every sport and we've thought you know obviously football and now we're softball and everything else and you know people a lot of people the the old timers get off my lawn types like <laughs> like me it, it's been you know it's a tough adjust, well it's a tough just for everybody but it's a fascinating time you know and and i you know just keep buckling in fans because you know our next podcast will be more football when it's really you know you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of stuff happening you know obviously with uh it's quiet but it's not quiet they're bringing a lot of recruits this weekend the whole thing yeah they've had a lot of recruiting camps uh they had one yesterday they're gonna have four more throughout the rest of june maybe more than that even i mean a lot of these are just meet and greets unofficial visits getting people on campus evaluating prospects building relationships and also making sure that the guys you have on campus working out continue to feel that player engagement that you've prioritized we're about to get into that certainly july is coming up sec media days dave and i are going to have plenty of coverage throughout that i'm going to be in atlanta there's going to be a whole lot going on Uh, dave was just in destin just got back looking mm-hmm. a little tan here certainly so tanned and buff you know i uh i 
I, I got to say, though, I still can't unsee the, the uh, Sam Pittman in a Speedo. Though. Oh, yeah? Yeah, that was rough. That's got to be an NIL deal from him, uh, though, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't know if Speedo will be approaching many SEC coaches for, uh, for, for, for now. Players, maybe, but uh, yeah. Brian Kelly, Speedo, no, no, it's, just, it's yeah, not going to happen. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty grateful for that, I got to yeah. say. Well, if you are holding your breath for football, you won't have to hold it too much longer. But if you were watching Florida baseball and softball, I just got to say before we sign off here, it was incredible. Just the games that we saw, the swings, the the drama, the storylines, not just at Florida, but all the teams out here. You had the number four region seed, Central Michigan, most wins of a number four seed, and they looked really, really good. Had Florida on the ropes at times as well. Liberty Gators got some, you know, a chance to maybe get revenge against them, but they end up getting defeated before Florida really has their shot. Oh, man, what Oklahoma did, I, I kind of am a little bit invested in seeing them go a little bit further because one, they got a guy with my name, Peyton Graham, Mm -hmm. and he was fantastic MVP of the regional. And I mean, they were just were great. Yeah. And they've got a guy with another famous name, Jack Nicholas. Yes, absolutely. And he got the boo birds. He got the boo birds. It's it's gotta be tough going through life with a name like Jack Nicholas. I don't Yeah. Yeah, Cause no matter what sport you play, he's like, Jack would have done better. Absolutely. I mean, I, I like to think that he showed his dad by being like, you want me to swing the club? Yeah, yeah. Down here? Yeah. I got it up here, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, l- lesson being uh, that Tim Walton needs to go recruit Tiger Woods. Oh, that would be, that'd yeah. be really good. Something. I mean, the baseball names are fantastic in my mind in general. I think you could definitely find a, a better name than Tiger Woods. <laughs> Give me like yeah. Lion Forest or something like that. Actually, my favorite, uh, you know, Skylar Wallace sounds like the quintessential softball name. And, That's a and, good name. Yeah, and and she she's strong. She, she proved it. And uh, uh, but both these spring sports, they as you said, they didn't finish like the Gator fans really wanted. But I think most fans will look back and go, that that was really a fun ride. It was. It was. And I think that what Kevin O'Sullivan said at the end of his opening statement last night is what he would like the message of this team to be that this group helped restore the culture of this program. And that is a team that competes for national championships. And obviously the future will determine that, but he was able to find that silver lining in defeat last night. Mm -hmm. And, our silver lining is that you know we won't have to uh, come in here for the next month. Yeah, things are quiet. <laughs> yeah, but, unless but, they land, you know, Arch Manning or someone. Uh, but if they do, don't worry. We'll do. We'll have a seven-hour podcast uh, <laughs> celebrating Arch Manning. But I, I don't foresee. I don't think foresee Arch signing anywhere. To, I think he'll he'll sort of drag the drama out. I sort of hope he does because it, it, it's the it's the you know most riveting thing in college college football right now is where will Arch go? It is, and but, you know, I want to see him actually throw against other top talent. I mean, he's yeah. if he goes to Elite 11 and competes and actually beats out all these other quarterbacks, looks really good, all right, then I'll, then I'll actually buy in. But right now, I, I'm still not entirely sold. Yeah. It's almost scary in a way, because if he doesn't go out there and throw for 50 touchdowns as a freshman, he's like, you know, he wouldn't decide. You know, but hey, we got a lot of time to talk about this, and we will. We will, certainly. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a month. Y'all take care. Adios. <laughs>